Welcome to the Liberty Mindset. Come and explore some of the ideas and issues facing our liberty. 2022 is an election year. As libertarians, we ask that you consider voting in the Liberty Mindset. Welcome and thank you for your time. Welcome to the Liberty Mindset. When we started this journey, we thought it was essential to start with basic principles. We began to explore the first 10 amendments of the Constitution, proposed in 1789 and ratified in 1791. We had no idea that politics would toss us so many opportunities to have an ex extant examples of our rights to explore. On July 8th, the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago, the home and business of Donald J. Trump Sr., 35th, oops, 45th President of the United States. Since then, Mr. Trump has pled the fifth in a New York court on a case having to do with his real estate empire and is, is expected to have to testify in hearings related to the warrant executed on August 8th by the FBI. As a reminder, the Fifth Amendment reads, no person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless on presentment or indictment of a grand jury, except in a case arising in land or naval forces or in the militia when an actual in time of service of war or public danger, nor shall any person be subject for the same offense to be twice put in jeopardy of life or limb, nor shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself, nor be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. And joining us today is, of course, the incredibly incandescent Jimmy Makepeace, as well as our special guest, Leon Noble, gubernatorial candidate for the Libertarian Party of Oregon. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Good morning. So what do we think? Well. The Fifth Amendment. <laughs> And Trump, was right, think, <laughs> it, it, Trump yes. was right to shut up. Trump was right to shut up. You know, it, it, it's it, we're we're starting to see this now that we have uh, social media available to us and the internet. We're starting to see lawyers say the same thing: don't talk to cops. There's a reason for that. Their job is not to prevent crime. Their job is to investigate and prosecute crime. Right. That's that's their job. So if you talk to them. And you think that it's completely okay and and everything's kosher? What you did is you actually confessed to something, and they're going to charge you with that. So shut up, <laughs> and, and that's, that's that's as simple as it gets. So that's what you know. It, Trump pleading the fifth did. He just said, "I'm not talking to you, and you can't make me." And he's right. You can't make him. Um, that's also one of the benefits of of being married. You can't force any your uh, the spouse to testify against you either mm -hmm. um but and, and that's kind of part of the i think that was kind of part of the polygamy argument back in the day is because if you had 50 spouses and there was something <laughs> illegal but if you only recognize the first one you had 49 witnesses you know i knew a guy in africa who had seven wives and uh, I ran across him in a coffee shop one time and I found out who he was. And I asked him, I said, you know, what is that like having seven wives? And there was a saying in Africa that he um, 
referred to me and says, well, you know, a man who's married to one woman is, is a happy man. And the man who's married to seven is a diplomat. <laughs> um, and uh, because, you know, it's just there's he had seven identical houses with each one had a high end car for the spouse's use. You know, I mean, like Jaguar, Lincoln Continental. I mean, you know, he had high end cars for all, all each and every one of them. Um, but yeah, there, you know, there is that whole testifying against yourself, but, and having your spouse testify, which is nice not to have them compelled to do that. But my question is in the, as it regards to the fifth amendment, do we think, and using Trump as an example, was this, was, is this done through legal means? I mean, were the, were the warrants valid? I'm, uh, the warrants are redacted too much for us to tell. I think that well, the, the way the warrants, I think the way the warrants were, were, now that we've learned how the warrants came about, I think that possibly they were, uh, the, the manner of which they were gotten may have been nefarious, but mm. um, they've nefarious. classified them to the point where we can't do anything to find that out. So yeah. that becomes a problem. Um, It'll, so regardless be, of whether they're they're good or not, the problem that they're secret is the is part of the issue. Yeah, the problem that they're secret is part of the issue. It does, yeah. and this is the one thing that that that's being glossed over by the media. Um, he was president, and he had the power to declassify whatever he wanted. So if they're saying there were classified information there, he could have declassified it, and that makes their argument null and void. Um, yeah, and well, and his, something else the media is not reporting is the fact that Trump, since January, has been cooperating with the FBI and letting him see these documents voluntarily, and working with the um, National Archives to make sure he doesn't have anything he's not supposed to have. So he's been working on correcting any problems prior to the warrant being issued. It's just I, apparently they got tired I, of it. I, I was listening to one guy. He he suggested that maybe they had planted the evidence. Well, yeah, we're going to I'm going to do this evidence. Well, and I mean, a lot of this just seems like a political ploy to get him to not run for presidency. And sure, I may not be one who would vote for Trump, but it just seems like a big game that's going to work against the people if they are executing it to try and corner him out of running, because I don't think it's going to work. He's not that type of personality. <laughs> but going back to the Fifth Amendment, I mean, he had his right to do that and everybody immediately assumed he was guilty because he pled the fifth well that you know and you mentioned that in in our note show notes that we were discussing um you said a couple of things that were i found quite interesting and one of the people you quoted um let me get into the show notes uh donald goldman the fifth amendment in a tweet said the uh, fifth amendment ensures that people not forced to incriminate themselves but you don't take the fifth if you didn't do anything wrong. But you didn't do the if you didn't do anything wrong because it just forces prosecution to do their job more. It just means they're not going to get a confession out of you. Yeah, that that guy, um, he's an idiot uh, for saying well, yeah. that because <laughs> they, that's not how it works. You are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law, not innocent until proven guilty in a court of public opinion. Mm -hmm. Proven guilty in a court of law. And in this particular case, what they're going to try and charge him with is something that will incarcerate him so that he can't run in the 2024 election. Yeah. That's what they're really trying to do here. This is this is not even a it's it's not even a, a, a close. Oh, maybe this is what's going to happen. 
they are totally trying to keep him from running. That's all that, that that's all it is. If they keep him from running, then they have the opportunity for, I don't know how they have the opportunity, but they have the opportunity to have anybody run against uh, Joe Biden in the next election. But the problem is, is that nobody's happy with Joe Biden. So he's going to lose no matter what. Yeah, and at this point, if Trump runs, it'll be a libertarian president because nobody wants Trump back in there either, except mm-hmm. the eight percent of the Republicans who think he's the bomb digger. Now, we don't have an actual candidate yet, right? Well, there is only one candidate who's figured out how the system works. Ladies and gentlemen, the system does not work by saying waiting for you to be nominated. You have to start running and keep running. That's why my run has been for been the greater part of the last two years. I started running in September of 2020 and is when I declared with the party in Oregon and October, I came publicly to run. It's not a three month thing. You don't get the nomination and then start running. You have to have everything in place and you have to start talking to people and making the, the things happen. There's only one person. His name is Spike Cohen. He's already running. He is on media event after media event after media event. And he's not saying I'm running for president. He's just making sure that his name is viable. So when he does run, it's a legitimate thing and people know who he is. He's going going to run. He's going to run. But he's the only one who's doing it. Joe Jorgensen started for a minute Mm -hmm. realizing that that's what needed to happen. But she hasn't continued. Yeah, and I wondered what happened with her. Well, in that uh, last performance, I'm not sure that I'd want her as nominee. So, no, I, and and this is the biggest problem. See, one of the things that we did in Oregon here, we have the playbooks for both the Democrats and the Republicans. We know what they're doing. We know exactly how to how to beat them. But some members of the party are ignoring that we have that playbook. They haven't bothered to read it. They don't understand that the reason that I wasn't included in a debate was because I didn't pay for my spot to the tune of five to $9 million. So as a result of that, we have to change. You, you want to change how politics works. The first thing you have to do is go back to the fourth and fifth amendments and understand that you don't say anything that can get you in trouble. And if you're the cops come to you, you don't stop. You don't talk to them at all. You have them go to your lawyer. And that's what Trump has done. He said, I am not going to incriminate myself. You speak to my lawyer. Here's my lawyer's card. If you have anything to say, you can discuss it with him and he will bring it to me if he has questions. One quote I found um, in one of the articles said that he said, this is a vindictive, self-serving fishing expedition. The United States Constitution exists for this very purpose and I will utilize it to the fullest extent to defend myself against malicious attack by this administration, this attorney general's office and all other attacks on my family and my business and our country. I thought that was very well well put. <laughs> now, let's go back to the, the cultural aspect of this a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, the uh, Fifth Amendment has its roots in in Deuteronomy, it has its roots in the Magna Carta from 1215. It has, um, you know, there's all kinds of reasons people shouldn't be forced to incriminate themselves yet without question. And and I was guilty of this as a young pop. You know, yeah, you have the Fifth Amendment, but if you're telling the truth, what do you have to worry about? And automatically assume that if somebody who takes the Fifth is guilty. Now, in my old decrepitude, I have come to the conclusion that that's not true, um, you know, but 
it is not an you know it's not unusual the emotional response is well if they don't want to talk then they're hiding something yeah no Why? no that's that's not an emotional response that's a brainwashed response that's an indoctrination method and well, that method has been used since the the beginning of time to get you to confess your sins if you need an example the spanish inquisition where they tortured you until you confessed and then killed you for it you well, would confess just just to end the pain and suffering and then they would kill you for something that you didn't do because you were confessing to something you didn't do so that the pain and suffering would, would end. Yeah, that's, that's been known to happen with every government and in the history of time. Every government has done that. Um, one of the most famous ones that's been documented, and I, if you don't believe that it's been documented, that's fine. It's, it, it's in the uh, New Testament. Uh, this man named Jesus the Christ was taken in front of a... Uh, in front of a, a Roman uh, official, asked questions. The Roman official said, I can't find anything wrong. And then the people said, well, hang him anyway. Crucify him anyway. And they let a, a guy who was already convicted of murder go because they decided that this other guy needed to die. That, at the very least, that is a, a solid story to prove the point that you should not speak if you don't have to. And you should not be saying, if, if the, you don't talk to the cops, you're guilty. You should be saying, oh, they don't want to incriminate themselves. It's not because they are guilty. It's because the cops don't want to, don't want to be, they, they're trained in a thing called verbal judo to literally have you incriminate yourself all the time. I mean, that's that's the entire point of verbal Juno is they ask you questions and they keep coming back towards you and 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 get you to say something that would incriminate you so they can go and charge you with. It. Well, and General Flynn is a prime example of that in recent time. He was uh, convicted of lying to the FBI, even though. I mean, he, he was uh, because they used verbal Judo to get him to contradict himself. And they had all the, you know, they could use all the lies they wanted. That that's one of the things that drives me nuts is that peace officers are allowed to lie, encouraged to lie based on, you know, the current laws of the land. Um, they can't yeah, lie that, under oath, but they can they can do anything they want during an investigation. And that's a huge problem because they're supposed to be the moral compass of our nation based on the laws that our moral compass is based on. I'm so why would we why would we allow the people who are supposed to be why would we allow allow Judge Dredd to lie because that's what they're becoming at this point and if they can't have the moral turpitude to actually do what they're supposed to do then we don't need them you know you love the 1987 reference nice I love job Judge Dredd that's oh there were two perfect. Judge Dredd it's, movies yeah, yeah, it's very scary how close we're getting to that art, isn't it? But that's a different story. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, folks have talked about um, the Banana Republic aspect of this whole thing. And um, in uh, 2015, Hillary Clinton was brought before an investigative committee because of her irregularities in handling confidential and, and top secret documents as, as a State Department official when she was Secretary of State. And the end result was Comey said, quote, that I cannot find where she had intent, end quote, to commit the crime. However, 
that's really not what I heard is the reason they didn't prosecute her. The reason they didn't prosecute her is because she was a running candidate for the president of the United States. And it is considered improper in this country to prosecute unless there's something dire. And don't you know? tell me how evading top secret information and disseminating it to people on unsecure servers and breaking all the rules is not dire, but that's beside the point. Her big defense was she was incompetent. So, um, you know, but uh, I, I just don't, you know, that that's the reason she wasn't prosecuted is because she's a running candidate. And yet here we are five years later, we have a person who's technically not running yet. Um, he's been a political martyr for five years. I mean, it started as soon as he got on with the whole Russiagate thing, which has all been proven false. And, you know, everything they've thrown at him, his tax stuff was all proven and acquitted, and he's fine with his tax stuff and every it just investigation after investigation. I'm impressed the guy hasn't gone nuts yet. Well, more nuts. I think he but, fuels his fire. Well, he was already nuts. So, well, yeah. It definitely fuels his fire to keep going and to prove that he can, that he's above it. That's what he wants. I mean, it seems like he wants to do is to prove that he can do it. At least he can be a beacon right now for people actually potentially understanding that the Fifth Amendment isn't just somebody going, yes, I did something and I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> well, you know, one of the, you know, we talked about the Fifth Amendment. One of the things everyone talks about is I have to be read my Miranda rights. Well, yeah. As of this no, year, there was a case not. You know, that, yeah, right, Vega versus Deco, which mm -hmm. is a, a case that came out this year, which was decided this year, and this group decided that if an officer talks to you um, without arresting you and therefore not reading your Amanda rights, anything you say can and will be used against you at that point, too. And um, which is interesting because the guy, Deco, was acquitted of the charges because he prosecuted the case on those, the fact that he wasn't read his Miranda rights and therefore he didn't think to exercise his right to silence but the courts are saying that yeah that's sorry that's on you not the officer in charge mm -hmm. since he wasn't arrested since he wasn't in an interview room since everything was conducted openly and in the front it, you know there was no coercion coercion being coerced or compelled being the you know prime linchpin that this that changes it from a fifth amendment issue to just an interview issue you know you have a right to say no or not answer to an officer and he chose to answer which and his answer was enough evidence that the officer thought to bring a case against him in the case of uh, sexual abuse and uh you know so you have so there's another reason that if and i don't know the i don't know the case well enough to, to, to the individual case of Taco, what to, you know I'm, I'm guessing i'm assuming he was i mean he was acquitted by two separate juries when they threw out the evidence the officer had okay but the question now is whether or not that was correct they shouldn't have thrown out the evidence hmm. um you know so now what would happen but well you know, he'd be convicted that's that's well, what it happened because think, but they can't, but they that, can't try him that's again the, they can't yeah. try him again which brings us to the other interesting clause which i find fascinating given supreme court decisions the idea of not being tried twice for the same crime yeah I mean, that's um, also why lawyers will grab have a bunch of convictions that they could run and sometimes they'll run everything and sometimes they'll only run some of it because they can't always get them on everything if they know everything together won't stick then sometimes they'll want to break things up if they, if they can 
Well, I'm see, I'm wondering what our founding fathers would have thought of the fact that a person can now be convicted for a gun crime on a state level and a federal level that are practically identical. Um, for example, they would have oh. got out the puckle gun and started blasting. That's what they would have done. Well, that, that's, that's, there's no, we already, we already know what they would have done. That that's literally what happened to start revolutionary war. The uh, redcoats came and they were came to Lexington and Concord to literally confiscate guns, and nobody, no one knows who started it, but it got it, it got lit real quick, and that was the end. Um, well, I mean, it, of the it, end. it got lit really quick after you know 15 years of abuse. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there was there was a whole long lot of things leading up to Lexington and Concord. Um, you know, people talk about the Boston Massacre, which was really not a massacre, but still. Um, and the guys, the British soldiers were acquitted in that case under the British Crown Law. Um, but, uh, you know, they were there for, again, the whole Boston Massacre thing, again, was based on taking wep private weapons away. Right. Um, you know, no, so gun, I mean, gun control is an interesting and has a long and interesting history in this country. And Oregon just... Apparently, there's going to be a ballot measure number 114, which is going to change our gun laws pretty drastically, actually. No, uh, okay, everybody, sorry about that. We had a little break for technical difficulties, and we were talking about, um, uh, we just finished up with, we we're just working on Miranda rights and the fact that uh, officers no longer, no longer have to uh, remind you of them if they're just interviewing you outside of an arrest. Um, so you can incriminate yourself if you're sitting, if you're uh, just talking to an officer and you admit to a crime, then they can process that crime and, and it, could be it can be used as evidence against you. I mean, it could be uh, any, you could self-incriminate at any time, too, for something that's oh, not yeah. the crime that's, that's being committed, even. So, I mean, being the fifth is almost, seems like it should be something people do automatically. <laughs> Well, but, you know, and, and I, I'm with that. I am now as, a, again, as I got older, you know, I realized that pleading the fifth was an act of, not an act of uh, guilt, of guilt, but an act of self-preservation. Um, it forces them to do the work that they should be doing anyways, instead of just relying on the fact that maybe somebody will confess to something, whether or not it's true. Or they'll figure out a way to trap you. I mean, because that, in, you know, they'll trap you into a, in, you know, into contradicting it a lot yourself. more work, doesn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, no, look at it's not work they're going to put into it. It's it's really not more work because um, the having to go and run down leads and figure out where you've been and where you spent money at and where you were there, what you do, you have an alibi, the, all of that is a lot more work than getting you to just simply say, yeah, I did it. So yeah. that's, they're not, I mean, they're, they're going to be like every, every person. Well, I think it was Thomas Edison who, who uh, would have, the story is Thomas Edison when he hired a person, he'd hand him a, a glass bulb, an envelope from a, a light bulb. And he'd say, what's the volume of this? And the guys that uh, would go over to the sink, fill it full of water and dump it into a graduated cylinder were the ones who would get the job because you don't hire a, a smart person. You hire a lazy person because they get done, stuff done fast. Yeah, so that's what happens is we, we hire a lazy person to be our law enforcement. The problem is, is that then in order for them to justify their existence, they have to get this, have crime, 
which means they're going to manufacture crime because that's the only way they can justify their existence. We, it, uh, I was reading somewhere, um, 300 officers or so in uh, Salem and there weren't enough and like 700 and change in Portland and that wasn't enough. Well, the crime has gotten worse because law enforcement can't be everywhere. There's no way that a thousand people are going to be able to handle uh, a thousand people, let alone 600,000 people in Portland. Um, So why would you assume that it would work? You're going to have to rely on the citizenry, which means the citizenry is going to have to be, go figure, the citizenry is going to have to be uh, armed and willing to deal with it. And they're going to have to, it's not going to be able to be, everything's not going to be able to be courtroom justice. It's got, sometimes it's going to have to be, uh, no kid, you can't steal from me. Now, to pay me back, you need to go sweep my back room. Well, and instead then of paying we'll it to court, then, you know, having, having social punishment. So, yeah, social punishment. And then the next thing that happens is they go, okay, now, now, now that you've done your penance, tell me why did you steal? Oh, you're hungry because you don't have any food in your house. Well, this is, and this is where the next step comes from. Now the store owner says, well, you can come to me and I will help you. And the kid gets a job sweep in the back room. The kid then has an income. The kid then can pay. And the, the, the new employer, the shop owner can say, I'm going to give you a discount and make it so that you can pay for this with a reasonable price because I know that I'm not paying you very much. What prevents that from happening? Well, now we're into a whole bunch of other things, but minimum wage prevents that from happening. The child labor laws that we have prevent that from happening. There's absolutely no reason that my, my six-year-old can't run a broom. He loves to run a broom, but he's not allowed to. Why? Because child labor laws exist. Well, that's true. Because I was thinking my house could really use, I mean, I have a dog that is shedding so much. My wife would love it if I could have a six-year-old come sweep up every hour of the day. So sometimes he likes to use the vacuum too. So in a perfect world, he would be able to do that thing. And then he would be able to get the reward from that. And, and that's where we, that's where we start building people with skill sets and, and see that we're in a totally different subject now, but yeah. that's, that's the nature of, of what has happened with our, our world and the way politics has created uh, problems and without solutions, there's no way to beat those problems. Well, the solutions were just taken away from us. Oh, they, what they, a shock. They, you mean the government overreached, over, overreached, reached? Go, for, go figure. The government yeah. says, oh, this is a problem. Well, it wasn't a problem in, 19, in the 1930s when child labor was taken down to next to nothing. And then they started making laws about it. So it can't be a problem. Well, we have to protect our children. No, what we need to do is help them manage risk appropriately so that they don't kill themselves. Uh. Accidentally. That's where the that's where our real issue is. Well, and now we're back. We're back to the cultural issue of what's going on today. Um, what's going on today is that we have a law enforcement community that is driven by the need to create numbers so they can justify their existence. And that's not what we need. What we need is Andy Griffith. We need so Sheriff Andy. Are you we feeling that, that a lot of the crime that is being co- committed then isn't is fab, is just fabricated? Is that what I'm following here? I, I do. I believe that a lot of the crime, and it's all the small stuff. It's not it's not the big stuff like the capital crime. That's like not it. It's nonviolent. We're, we're talking crimes. The, the, 
the law enforcement officer pulls you over for speeding. He says you're going 65 and a 55 and you know you were going 58. Or the cops in Sandy that'll pull you over when you go one mile over the speed limit. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind the fact that all speedometers have a, a plus or minus to them and that there's right. no possible way. It's just Mine's a gauge. Like- it doesn't, doesn't tell you exactly how fast you're going. It just gives you a really close idea. I know my motorcycle is like five miles slow. So if I, mm-hmm. if mine says I'm going 60, I'm really going about 56. Yeah. So three miles slow on my car. So <laughs> how, how do you, how, many how do you do that with without our cell phones? So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, well, the reason I know that is because I have, I use my cell phone, which is in front of me and see, that's a crime too. You're not supposed yeah. to have a screen in front of you, but mm-hmm. it's okay if you're using navigation. So I got right. my cell phone just, with the navigation on and it's telling me I'm in a 55 and I'm only getting, I'm going 53 mm-hmm. because my, my, my speedometer says 55. Yeah. So that's, that's how I know that my speedometer yeah. is off on my motorcycle. Um, well, my speedometer is off on, on my truck too. Where my question was going and, you know, uh, really was how do we, how do we as libertarian slash Americans, how do we try to help people understand the damage that are or, or not even understand, but correct the damage that has been done by this, you know, Woodrow Wilson type administrative world that we have, um, you know, because, you know, it's all started back in the early teens and in the, you know, late, late 19th century, early 20th century is where we ran into all this problem with the overreach because before that during what we called the industrial revolution you know it was really as long as you made it and people could buy it it was fine now that did cause i'll admit freely that had its challenges but that just meant you had to know that a snake oil salesman was selling market would tell you if it was a good person or not if everybody's buying from joe because joe's products are legit and you know the Duke's product is subpar. I mean, that'll regulate that right there. And Duke will want to get better product to sell. You know, it's one of those checks and balances thing. There's a little part of me that goes, you know, how do we, how do we fix this? How do we fix this? Burn it down. Um, but well, that that's not fix fixing. <laughs> no, because we need well, to. People need to be enlightened. They have to know what the problem was and how to what the solution is. But they also, right now, we're at a point where we know there was, was a problem or there is a problem. We know there is a solution, and it's the how to get there that's the the conundrum. And everybody wants everything instantly. They want us to fix it now or yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so it's like, I, how do we do that in, this, uh, in that instant gratification type of world it, well uh, here's an idea what if we stop reporting on crime statistics i think let's, it would make people paranoid i let's let's just rem- let's let's you know let them let them report on it but then never release that information and and do not make it a, a condition of their uh, of their existence it, so law it enforcement could be out there if you look for it, but it's not required. Is what you're saying, right? Okay. If 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 everybody stopped talking about the crime rates, and that, and when we went to budgetary considerations and and started saying, you know, okay, so what about why do we need cops? Um, and, and it was no, it was no longer about well, they they stopped this crime and this crime and this crime, and. and and it was about well, they helped so and so with with this. They participated in that. They 
did this. It, what if so we positive. turned? What if we turned the positives in? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they wouldn't be. I mean, Toledo PD is a, is notorious for this. They have the the biggest complaint in Toledo, Oregon, right now is that the cops don't go after the criminals. They go after. They go sit on Highway 20 and cat and go after speeders. Why? Well, the only reason that I can figure out because Highway 20 is not in the jurisdiction, it all goes to the county. The only reason I can figure out is it's because it's an, uh, an overtime uh, scam because they have to be paid to go to court. So stop paying them for, for every little thing. Put them on a salary and tell them you're not getting any more. And part of that requires us to change our laws because our laws say that if you have a certain salary level, level you have to pay overtime. Well, that means people need to, need to petition it, put it on the ballot. So petition it, put it on the ballot. And and if you're since we're already paying them that much anyway, mm-hmm. it shouldn't be a problem. So well, I like the idea of posting the positives instead of the negatives, because definitely will flip the narrative. Well, and, and, and that would change that would change elections, too. Oh, if if we did that, changed to our focus let's from- let's talk about the positives. Well, you know, um <laughs> Gun control isn't a positive. That's a negative. But for yeah. some reason, they think it's a positive. Um, the, the Oregon has a public display of a noose law. That's not a positive. That's a negative. Right. If you're having to restrict people, that's a negative. Yeah, all restrictions if, are negative. If you said, who came in and said, the reason I'd like you to reelect me is because I managed to get 15 of these horrible, horribly written laws repealed this last year. And before, the year before that, it was 12. And let me tell you about how, how, how uh, our world is better because of it. Mm-hmm. Now we have a reason to vote for somebody instead of a reason not, a reason not to throw the mud at each other and whatever. <laughs> um, so what kind, of, you know, what kind of response could we get from that? Our, our world, our news system is based on negative. Our mm-hmm. policing is based on negative. Our politics is based on negative. Yeah, I mean, media just it thrives on the negative because it gets the views and people are appalled by these situations that happen. But, you know, it's just they can't help but, but stare and normalize telling people that they're beautiful on the street for no reason. I think that's fabulous. I well, that'd be sexual be... harassment. Oh, but so it now it's a negative. after a certain point, because if it was, it nor- if normal. It was normal and it if it was normal and it was just like, I wanted to let you know, I think you're beautiful today and then walk away and never see them again. That's not sexual harassment. Now, if you walk around and you say, I think you've got a bodacious badonkadonk, that's sexual harassment. And that's completely different. Yeah. But if you just, you just go up to somebody and I realize I'm a woman, if I go up to a woman or I go up to a man, even I go up to anybody and say that I think that they look you know, wonderful today or something, or they love your outfit, your hair looks great, you know, you've got a great smile, something, it comes off different than if it probably, it sounds bad, but if either of you would go to it <laughs> as, you know, white, white males, because people have this weird connotation that you guys might be harassing them. Yeah, well, yeah, there's, there's, and, and somebody's going to, we, we live in that world now that everything, everybody, everything's offensive. And it sucks. So, I don't like that. You can't, you're, you're not going to be able to get away with that without exacting societal change. And that's the hard grace. part. Yeah. People don't give the grace that's needed to understand that not everything is malicious and there are malicious things going on, but not everything is. 
So that's the I'm, world I'd like I'm to with in. you. I'm with you a thousand percent. Don't get me wrong. I'm playing sort of playing devil's advocate Good. here. Um, you know, just because I, I really, you know, I, I concur that that is part of our problem. But the question is, is, you know, the whole instant gratification and, you know, people not having the confidence in themselves to be okay with somebody thinking differently. Um, you cancel know, I, culture is the problem, you know, all of this the sort of stuff is the problem. Cancel, the cancel culture. culture. Cancel, yeah, cancel culture is cancel, cancel culture. I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, that, that would help. <laughs> well, that, but that I, would help. I don't think you have to cancel cancel culture. I think you just have to get people to realize that you're allowed to have your opinions and you're allowed to have your own space as long as you understand that there's that own. and then there's reality. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, and and see, this comes back to the to bring it back to the fifth and and what law enforcement does. People are are driven now to convict without any sort of reason to. Um, let me give you an example. Uh, I jumped on Twitter. I didn't. I, I was. I've had a Twitter account for a long time. I ran it as a business thing because I thought that was okay, but I didn't do it very well, and it was a pain in the butt and. 144 characters really can't say anything. I mean, basically all I could do is post a link and that was it. So I jump on Twitter as I start running a campaign and I start trying to connect with libertarian people and I end up with, end up, end up in, engaged with this crap poster that um, I had, I'm understanding that I have no, I, I'm using the, the term that they're using to describe their posts. They found this guy on Twitter this guy fed them a, a line of crap and I'm sitting here looking at the line of crap going, this is a line of crap. You wear that this is a line of crap. No, they had no clue. Yeah. They just knew that they were in love and they were going to move States. Um, they were from Oregon or Oregon voter. So I'm talking to an Oregon voter. Mm -hmm. I say, I don't think this is kosher. And the guy comes in and starts bad mouthing me. And the next thing I know, this I, I mean, I'm literally like three months into running, four months into running, and they're trying to cancel me on Twitter because she's offended that I had a judgment based on vast knowledge and experience on the subject about this guy that she's never met before and I've never met before who lives in a completely different state and is treating people inappropriately on Twitter. So now all of a sudden I'm the bad guy and I, I haven't talked to her in at least a year because she was one of those people who kept getting banned and I quit trying to go look for her. So yeah. um, if, if, if that, that right there should be enough, if you can't follow the rules long enough to, to stay on the, on the platform, you know, I get, account warnings on facebook all the time but i figured that facebook has has higher restrictions than twitter mm -hmm. and instagram has higher restrictions than than twitter and and those ones are kind of parallel and tiktok has different restrictions um i've got hits on tiktok for i, I was doing a thing about bullets how they work and i got two strikes in the same day because i posted a bunch of bullet stuff and bullets aren't allowed on tiktok at all, but I can put both. I could put them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It was kind of a weird thing. 
Yeah. Instagram is known for for deleting well, people. TikTok's owned by this Chinese Communist Party. So, um, well, one thing that people don't seem to understand is that being offended only affects one person. It affects the person who's being offended, and trying to shove that emotion off onto whoever uh, offended you is fruitless. I mean, the most you get is an argument and you, but really the person who's offended is the one who's going to toil and think and keep ruminating over the issue. Whereas the person who may have done the offensive thing may not. And people aren't putting the fact that there is more engagement in here. They're just being like, I'm offended. And then they shut it down because they don't want to deal with the rest of it. And that shutting down is what cancels everything out. And it makes it hard for us to talk to people about you know the movement and about the fifth amendment and what these things mean because they were shut down because they found one thing offensive oh and that brings us back to the whole idea of of you know the emotional level of all these things i mean you're you know people you know leon alluded to the brainwashing that's going on because of the Mm -hmm. fifth amendment and i don't disagree i just think that the emotional they use emotional triggers to brainwash that's how you do it and we're, you know, and you mentioned being offended. And you know, I love the fact that you said that the person who was offended is the one that has all the energy on it. And the person that did the offending probably doesn't think about it again. Because mm-hmm. let's face it, most people around us don't think about us. Right. They well, think about themselves. You're the most important person in the narrative of you. That's just which is, matter. Which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's right. just that, if, but again, offense is, is an emotional response. And offense must be taken. It cannot be given. Right. Um, you know, it's just, now, it can be given if you intended to give it, that's, that's the caveat. If you intended to be offensive, you're in the wrong. Yeah. I, when I did it, I didn't intend to be offensive. I intended to call anymore. the guy out on his bad behavior and then I got ratioed for it. That's what happened. Well, yeah. I, will, I will, I will argue this. I will, I will sort of take exception to that only to the fact that if you're trying to be offensive, you are in the wrong. There's no question. <laughs> You already Don't know you're in the wrong, wrong. You're trying to be. <laughs> However, having said that, um, from personal experience as an overweight white straight male, um, I, I have to say that you know people who try to give me offense are highly unsuccessful. And the reason they are highly unsuccessful is because in order for me to take offense, I have to value someone's opinion. Exactly. And if someone's a vermin, then their opinion doesn't get to matter. Mm-hmm. And again, it's a choice. You know, it is a choice to be offended. It is something you actually have to mentally choose do. to do. Mm-hmm. So I really, I'm a firm believer that offense can only been taken. It cannot be given. Even if you try to give it, it is up to me to receive it. And it's a being, I'm one of those people who I want to conserve my energy for things that are worth my time. And sometimes being offended by something is not worth my energy or worth my time. So it's Did, one of those things to keep in mind as well. <laughs> have you guys been paying attention to what we've been doing the last couple of weeks in the camp in the said Oregon Free and Noble for Balance campaigns? Some, a little bit. Not a lot, I'm afraid. It's, I've been busy so- doing that. We we did we we did exactly what you what after the July 29th debate where I was not uh, invited to be there mm-hmm. and and granted um, the the reason we 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 uh, we knew why but we wanted to have them say it right okay so <laughs> we had a letter to the editor sent out and it got published and in it. And this was not written by me. This was written by um, 
Sherilyn Cox, uh, Charlie Cox in our Discord chat. And she says, you know, look, I'm a woman. I would vote for for uh, this candidate in, in Arizona if I lived in Arizona. Something about Lake. Um, but I have to wonder if the only male currently on the ballot did not get invited to this mm-hmm. debate means that you are sexist. <laughs> and she sent that in an email form to the uh, to the reporter at the Oregonian Oregon Live who had been p- pumping out the, the propaganda for that debate that got sent to their boss. Their boss responded with he didn't spend five million dollars to get into the debate. So we wanted them to say it. Now we have it in writing that that I didn't spend five million dollars to win a primary that I didn't need to spend five million dollars on. And that was the reason I wasn't invited. I did not pay for the propaganda machine to allow me to come and sit in a chair with a bunch of women who it's a good thing I wasn't there because they were just jamming on each other. I didn't I wouldn't have had to do anything except be quiet and say my state make my own statements. Mm-hmm. Um because they were just tooth and nail at each other, hair almost as a hair puller. It would have been um, nice to have you there as as a flip the narrative type of person. Yeah, well, it would have taken, and and, and people would have immediately seen that, mm-hmm. and that's the worst part about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, we're trying to have this conversation, and and we're using we're we're actually saying we're offended, and it's your fault. You intended to be offensive, and they're having now they're having to defend themselves. So now it got gets published because they are trying to defend themselves mm-hmm. and now it's, now it's relevant and I'm not the only male on the ballot. There's a, there's another candidate who's supposed to be on the ballot too, but mm-hmm. um, I was the only one that we knew of at the time. Every, there were, there were eight candidates, three of which are independents, one, uh, none of which have uh, managed to get all, all their signatures in Um one of those independents, not independents, non-affiliated, non-affiliated, three non-affiliated. There's an independent party candidate who's male. There's me that's male. There's one uh, non-affiliated. Maybe there's two non-affiliated that's male, but he's like barely 18. And I don't, I don't think he's going to make it to the ballot. Um, and I'm not even sure that the one that they had on the stage is going to make it to the ballot. She spent $9 million on advertising so that she could make it to the ballot. I'm not sure she's going to. So that's talking about uh, what's her that's face. No, the, yes. Brit, Brit, the, what is her? Betsy Johnson. I don't think I'm not sure she's going to make it. So having a having a, a debate with people who aren't on the ballot and leaving people who are on the ballot off is a huge yes. problem. Well, no, because they spent news, money for breaking news. Let me confirm that you have because I, I mean, last time we talked, you had not officially gotten everything ready for on the ballot. You are now on the ballot. Well, the only thing we we're waiting for was the party to file the appropriate paperwork. And has that? And I didn't know anything about that. Otherwise, I would have had that. I mean, I would have had that in their hand uh, June eighteenth, so they could have filed it on the on the Monday afterwards after confirming. So right. that that wouldn't have been a problem. As of now, though, is it completed? I know you. Uh, it it was filed this week. I have not looked today to see if it was completed. They are. It, they're it, still like counting ballot. Initiative stuff. So, um, but the the paperwork is in. That's that's all that matters at this point. Um, 
being, I, I am official, official. I need to be official, official, official. Right. So, no, I understand the well, last official those, is important because that's the one that's all the, the All the permits and all these sorts of different things that people have to go through just to, you know, have somebody work for them or just to be able to run for an office. It's like, do we really need all of these hoops? Well, the the reason the hoops are there is because people have abused the hoops, the the lack of hoops before. So what they've done is they've they've made it too too difficult, so that people don't understand the system. And so now we get in. This is the benefit of of running this time. Now I'm starting to understand what I needed to do in the first place. I should have started the pack the second the day I uh, the pack and the and the um, the campaign committee the the day I I said I was going to do it. The day I, I I declared with the party, I should have filed with the, the state of Oregon and started doing it. All right. If you're listening, who wants to run? Pay attention to him. <laughs> I, I should have started paying. I, I well, we're talking. This is 2020. We're not talking. Mm-hmm. This is last week. We're talking. This is 2020. I should have done this in 2020 when I said I'm going to run. I should have said, okay, now I need to go ahead and and I, I had the branding and everything. It was just a matter of at this point now I have to have uh, a way to get the branding out mm-hmm. and um, that's the hard part is getting the branding out. So uh, the, the looking for donors and, and stuff like that, I should have gone to Phil Knight before uh, somebody else did and, and said, Hey, look, I'm running. And I think you need, I think you, you're, you can agree. We need something different. Because you got a pass on this cat tax once, you're not going to get a pass on it next time. I should have gone to to these organizations and and, and talked to them in person, even not knowing them. I should have been fundraising. I should have I should have ten million dollars in the bank account right now after spending ten million dollars. Should I have paid done that for the primary? No, I should be running for the general election no matter what because I'm not running for governor of my party. I'm running for governor of Oregon. And that's the one thing that, that these, that, that I, I notice uh, across the board with all candidates is they forget that they're running for the governor for the position that they're going to rep- represent all the people in their district or state or city or county or whatever. And they get into the partisan politics and they stay there. And then it's hard to dig back out for the general. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And that's, that's how we win. If you want to win, you're going to have to be representing everybody in your district, not just the 12 libertarians that are in your, in your space. You have everybody. to say, you have to speak for everybody. You have to listen to everybody. You have to be able to go to everybody and say, okay, let's have a conversation. Okay. I understand your, your concern. Now let's talk about solutions. I don't see a solution with what you have brought to me. And that yeah. changes that. That changes the, the narrative. Now we're talking about how we can move forward. How do we move forward with the homeless situation? Well, the first thing we do is we get the cops out of the middle of it. That's not their job. Their job is to keep the peace. Their job is to keep our homes peaceful, not go around collecting the homeless people's stuff, telling uh, them that they have to move, that they can't be there. If you have a problem with somebody being on your front step, you need to go talk to them about it. If you, if they have a, if they all, I've said this before, I think on this podcast, um, if you're spending time talking to homeless people in a, in a shelter, those are the people who are already getting help. You need to go talk to the people who don't want you to bug them. 
You need to go talk to the people who want to be left alone. Those are the ones who are not in the shelters. They're just the ones trying to meet out a little bit uh, of, a, of a life and they don't want to spend their time talking to cops. They don't want to spend their time talking to uh, Joe Schmo uh, down the block. They're just trying to m- make their life just a little bit better. And if we're going to get in their way, it's going to get worse and it's not going to be something that we can fix. But the, oh, your the law enforcement can't do it. So you're proposing that people should um, try to engage with homeless people in their areas, the ones that are camping on private property, the ones that are the ones that are camping on public property. They should engage. They should say, hey, look, I have room. I'd like to help you out. Are you in a position to be helped out? And they should start there. Can I is there a way I can help you? What is it that you need to get into a better situation? No, and then the the invitation happens. If an invitation happens, that's no longer a trespassing charge. Come, come hang out in my backyard. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to get you, I'm going to to spend a little money on you and get you a a hand up, not a hand out, a hand up. Mm -hmm. And then at that point, law enforcement is no longer participating. Government is no longer participating. We are no longer spending millions of dollars just throwing money at the problem that can never be fixed by throwing money at the problem. We could then offer different options, say, uh, Joe Schmo wants to, uh, Joe Schmo and Joe Cool want to get together and put a tiny house in a backyard or two and have a couple of homeless people housed. They would have housing with the intent that there would be a contract involved that the two, that those people would agree to. And it would be a simple contract, not a lawyer contract, a simple contract. This is how long we expect you to, to be there. And this is the expectations for you to progress. And we're going to extend that if you're trying to progress. Okay. If you're well, not trying stop to stop you right here because this is way off of the fifth amendment. Okay. Well, <laughs> and I would love to have it comes back to the fifth amendment. Though. Let me bring it back to the, let me bring it back around. Yeah. What okay. we have now is law enforcement goes out and says, where are you staying? And they, they play the verbal judo game and they get it to the point where the homeless person admits to trespassing and then they get arrested for trespassing. They get cited. They don't have money to pay for the citation if it's a misdemeanor. And then they end up going and getting uh, jailed for it because they can't they don't have a, 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 a capacity to deal with the problem. So they just don't. They don't know their rights. Well, that's, that's not, where I the think fifth comes I, in. See, I see. I think from what I my experience with the homeless is is that it's not that they don't have necessarily the capacity; they don't have the will. So many yeah. of them. That, that's the but, same thing in my mind for this particular subject. Okay. Well, capacity, see, capacity of will. In my book too. Well, if, drive and, and ability are two different things to me. The ability to get up and go and be willing to fight that battle is different than the knowledge behind what's needed right. to but, fight the battle. But both of those would be part of capacity. Okay. okay. But that still, I mean, you, you, you twisted that sure. into what you're calling a fifth amendment deal. Um, well, it, 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 me that can the be, solutions it can be related. Yes. Sentence, I twisted please? that. I admit can that I, I twisted can that. Can I finish my sentence, please? Okay. I'm sorry. Thank you. Um, because the, the, when, you know, what you're describing 
is is a, a situation where people are often, in most cases, behaving in a societal manner that's not allowed. And you're proposing that the solution is going to be um, in in our current well in our current situation untenable because it is actually in Hillsboro confronting a homeless person is technically almost illegal just because of the way the, the laws here in Hillsboro are written. If you if somebody is if somebody is on your property, you know the police. You know maybe this is because the police are trying to justify themselves, but it's like, I mean, correct. <laughs> Our yes, you are correct. Our experience for homeless pe people is is very. My experience with homeless people may be very different than yours, only because homeless in this country are not the same kind of homeless that I've ran into in third world countries. It's a different. They're a different kind of people, and here we have a tendency. The folks that are I'm finding are homeless. The ones and I and I talk to homeless people. I mean, I don't go to their camps, but if some guy is sitting down and having you know wants to sit down with me and have coffee, this has happened. We chat, and I find out he's homeless, and we chat about it. And invariably, it boils down to he yes, he just <laughs> wants to be left alone. But the problem is, he wants to be left alone on somebody else's property. He wants to be left alone in such a way that it's not conducive to society. He wants to be left alone where invariably crime goes up because a homeless situation always causes crime. So that's where philanthropy and the invitation to do that comes in. If you have the invitation, and I don't disagree. I think those are great. Those are great. Op those are great ways to resolve the problem. Our current method of housing them like kindling and sticking them in a quote shelter or in some, you know, they just converted a hotel to some sort of homeless um, act and they're thinking, well, they have a home now, so therefore the problem solved. That's not the solving of the problem. You need a lot more than that. Well, the problem is these people need to be it. social, need to be able to contribute to the society. Well, they need mental health care, and that is a lot. And, of and that's and that's part of you know their inability to contribute is because there's a mental health issue, and I don't you know I think that is probably one of the largest problems for the homeless nature. Well, is that there's a me mental health, is, and that includes you know addiction. Here, here's where here's where I bring into my personal experience. I was homeless. Actually, technically, I'm homeless now, according to the feds. But um, I was actually homeless. <laughs> I in college, I was homeless. I did not have a home. I I had an RV that I moved around, and it was just like just like what they're doing on the streets in Portland and Hillsborough and Salem and Eugene. Um, I slept where I you know parked it where I could and slept there. Mm -hmm. and whatever I could, I, I did. That's, that's just the way it was. Mm -hmm. So um, I just wanted to be left alone. I was really tired of people telling me I couldn't do things. I was tired of this. I was tired of that. I was tired of being just, it, it, it became a problem because the, It became a problem because of how I was treated. And it wasn't even a mental health issue at that point. It was, I'm just disgusted with the response that I'm getting issue. And that's, that becomes a mental health issue because the people who are having the conversation believe that you have a mental health issue. And they're determined to help you. And instead of helping it 
kind of made things worse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but you have to be willing to actually talk to people to see if that's even the issue at hand for that individual. Like lumping everybody into a, a, a pool saying, this is the homeless, this is what they need, and not talking to the individual isn't going to help anybody. They're not they're not a mob of homeless people. <laughs> they are individual people that need to have individual needs and, and desires depending upon their case. And they keep getting mobbed, lobbed together and whack-a-mold and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's, um, let's go back to the Fifth Amendment. This homeless thing is a fascinating thing, and we could do three episodes on it. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, but let's let's get back to the Fifth yeah. Amendment because we've only covered half of it, and I don't think yeah. we're going to really take time to cover the rest of it just because there's so much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've talked about uh, a person shall not answer a capital crime. We talked a little bit about dual um, sovereignty. Um, and we've uh, talked about not having to witness against yourself, taking the Fifth Amendment. Um, finally, and this may have something to do with our homeless discussion, the last part of it is, nor shall a private property be taken for public use without its just compensation. And that, of course, renders under eminent domain. Um, is that not, do we think that is, is that or is that not the most abused portion of the constitution to date it is uh eminent eminent domain is is responsible for a lot of things uh, but it's not a uh, (coughs) it's a problem in that they're not offering fair prices for Mm -hmm. for the properties that they're taking that's that's where the problem really is um but i'm looking at the prices of things right now and i'm going these aren't fair prices anyway uh, so what they do is they offer the tax assessed price mm, okay, or, mm-hmm. or, or something derived from that, Versus not the real estate agent price. price. Yeah. Yeah. So you got a million dollar house, but the, the tax assessor says it's only worth 300,000. So they're offering 300,000 to bulldoze it. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's the first thing that needs to be understood. The second thing that needs to be understood is that if they're go- going to give that property, the only purpose for that should be as a public entity, a public entity uses eminent domain as a public benefit, not public uh, eminent domain as a public benefit to give to a private entity. So mm-hmm. if you're going to turn over a property to a corporation to build uh, a development on for, oh, let's say affordable housing, that's totally wrong. That's an abuse of the, of the system. That's crony capitalism. That's that is the exact problem that we're having mm-hmm. now. If you're going to because you need a new road, because there's development going in the end of that said area of that road, we have a system of easements for that, and, and that's the way it should work. The eminent domain then allows for the road to be put in, but mm-hmm. not to take the property from other people so the developer can start the development. That's that's the thing. Can that be uh, can that be adjusted? Roads to have a public benefit. You can't trespass somebody from a road. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go to my Twitter, setoregonfree.com, click on the little Twitter button. My pinned post is a thread about how we can privatize the roads. Would eminent domain still apply to that? Um, yes and no, because it would depend on who owned it. If it was a utility and the public was benefiting from that purpose 
yeah, if it was an existing road that the, we sold the, uh, the utilities, the maintenance costs to, sure, that would work just fine. If it's a new road owned by the HOA, that is not a reason for eminent domain. But the, the developer would be the one who put the road in. And the HOA would be the one who maintained it. And that little area there would be able to set the rules that they wanted to set within reason. Mm-hmm. And that would make a big difference. So eminent domain has a purpose, but at this point in our time frame, we should no longer be doing things like, uh, like that. I mean, if we need to, to, um, I think the only thing that we, we could be, be able to justify is our traffic problem. And there are other solutions that we should apply first to the traffic problem. Okay. I, I sadly, you and I agree 100% on that. It's really hard to complain about that. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the challenges I, I faced in California is we had a, a highway um, go through a town, yeah. and an intimate domain, um, you know, came into play. And I sat in on the uh, hearings. It was a fascinating thing to watch because there were certain groups on the council that wanted to throw everybody out and get it done. And the other, you know, so many of these people had lived there for 60, literally lived in their houses for 60 years. And uh, the final solution was let, as they said, God be the, um, the victor. And they ended up voting to put essential, essentially liens on the houses so that when the housing went up for transfer of ownership, um, the city would have the first, and have an authoritative bidding process where they could pay, and it, and it was phrased in in free market value. They had to pay free market value for the house, um, you know, which was I think it was free market value plus twenty thousand or something. They even said so. I mean, it was as as good a situation as it could be. But then there's other situations like we've had here in Oregon where farms have been taken over and turned into housing developments under the eminent domain, which is exactly what you're talking about as being incorrect and wrong. Well, how about the uh, road to nowhere in Pendleton? I mean, they used eminent domain to create this road that connected uh, the exit 202 to the airport. Um, and they had to use eminent domain to go through the fields there mm-hmm. and took productive fields and paved over them. And they, they did their best to, to mitigate the, the cost. I mean, it's, it's, still, it's still, you know, a hundred foot wide right, right away. Uh, but the goal was to make it so that trucks could easily get to the industrial area at the airport. But the problem is, is that they didn't have the capacity to they didn't put any sewer in. They didn't, they didn't put any capacity in for sewer water um, and electricity and all of that stuff. There's a landfill up there that, that could, you know, when it was operating could have benefited from this, but that would have been the, the only organization um, and, and the airport itself. And, but they haven't, they haven't provided any um how long has that been going on for they just said if we build it they will come but they haven't been so, provided any so they built a road so they built a road to an industrial area that wasn't ever built up because there is no power no water no sewage yep they didn't put, build a road that had power water and sewage in it if they had put those lines in there when they did it then they could have said oh well this farmer is willing to sell his property to this developer to build an industrial park and that will benefit us. But the farmer isn't willing to sell mm-hmm. and nobody's willing to pay the price the farmer's willing to pay because they have to put in sewer water 
on their own. They can't, they're not even allowed to do anything. So it, did it benefit anybody? Well, it benefited me when I lived up there for a while. Cause I could go, I could get on that, that freeway pretty darn quick. At that point, I could either go down the hill and get jump on the freeway right there. Or if I was going uh, West, I, I could jump on, on the road nowhere and zip out to 202 and uh, have a little twisty shirt twisty turny ride before I got onto the freeway. That was straight. It was great when I was riding motorcycles there. Um, and I can, I can bolt right out and I can come back in pretty quick too, but I'm not, wasn't driving a truck, a, a semi. I wasn't driving a, a, a commercial vehicle that weighed 80,000 pounds and was having difficulty getting up the airport hill either. I was riding a motorcycle or my pickup truck or whatever. So did it, was it worth it? I don't think so. I don't think it was worth the cost. Could it have been? It could have been, but they did not implement <laughs> And it's that's about implementation in the end, isn't it? It is about Im- implementation, but we've, we've also noticed that Pendleton tends to not do that. Um, they, they short the implementation so they can save money. Um, one of the, the biggest problems is the um, they've deferred the, the maintenance on the roads for so long that our, the roads are starting to not be roads anymore. So and on that cheery note, I think we should come ourselves to a close. We've been doing this for a while, and I think even with our technical difficulty issues, we're going to be running over an hour as it is. So I think we're going to say that one thing we seem to all agree on is we the people, and I mean Americans in general, have a real challenge where we have to educate ourselves on what our rights are and where we should stand on them, Um, remembering that your individual rights is what we have a government for that is why we have the government is to the the constitution was designed to restrict the actions of the governments to ensure the rights of the individual remember for sure that you as a person are sovereign in this country our president is not sovereign over us the constitution is sovereign over us and i would encourage you to study to stay curious and to search out the truth thank you leon for joining us jimmy thank you very much if you like to say goodbye thank you thank you for having me on setorganfree.com please go donate so that i can compete with the people who are spending lots of money (laughs) and we will have next time don't forget to check out episode 4.5 bonus bit